Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato and this is Practice Day at the 2023 British Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pit Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts and on today's episode, Max Verstappen tops both practice sessions but he's not alone at the top of the timesheet. Carlos Sainz showed Ferrari's one-lap pace remains intact to get within 22 hundredths of a second of the Dutchman, setting up an interesting battle for pole position. But what about Alex Albon? He was third in both sessions, and American rookie teammate Logan Sargent was fifth. This Williams performance was no fluke. But what can the British team do from here? Off track, there's been more arguing about new teams, and despite some positive sounds from the FIA president, the existing 10 constructors are still proving difficult to convince. So to talk us through an interesting Friday at Silverstone, it's over to your host in the British Grand Prix paddock all weekend, Chris Medlin. Hello everyone, Chris Medland here again after practice at Silverstone, and guess what? Max Verstappen was quickest in both sessions. But it's not about Max Verstappen today, no. It's about the driver who was third quickest in both sessions. And this is a name you will not have been expecting, but Alex Albon in the Williams was third fastest, both in FP1 and in FP2. And it wasn't just a random one-off lap that put him there, because Logan Sargent was fifth quickest in FP2 as well. So both Williams drivers in the top five. A pretty remarkable result that we really weren't expecting heading here to Silverstone. Williams was strong in Canada with the upgraded car that Albon brilliantly drove to seventh place. They kind of put all their eggs in a basket there. New engine at the time as well to get the most out of that potential good result opportunity and they did nail it. Then were pretty competitive in Austria but didn't take the opportunities that came their way and ended up failing to score when really they should have at least in the sprint picked up some points. But the team had warned, okay, Silverstone won't really suit us so much. Hungary, not too sure, but then Spa, Monza, their tracks that we should be good at. So this was meant to be one. They were kind of just grinning and bearing it. And instead, they've really hit the ground running. Uh, very, very strong starts the weekend on Friday that caught everyone's attention. And if you ask Alex Albon why that was, he doesn't know. He admits it surprised even Williams how competitive they've been. He mentioned that balance is really hard to to chase here at Silverstone. A big thing about the geography of Silverstone, if I go through that, is that it's an old airfield and it was basically the perimeter road uh, and other access roads that got turned into a racetrack. So it's a quite high up exposed area and it gets pretty windy. So gusts of wind at different parts of the track and the high speeds are, are not uncommon. And for all of the drivers, they're chasing a balance that can change just based on you know, the wind direction at the moment in time on the lap that they're on it can really, really vary from corner to corner, let alone lap to lap. And Albon said that's actually meant that the car didn't feel that good to drive. He didn't finish laps and think, oh, that was nice. But then he'd see himself pop up really high on the timing screens and said it was very, very strange. So uh, an excellent start to the weekend for Williams. And the key now seems to be not to change too much. If the car's competitive in the current form kind of setup it's in, then the team needs to stick with that because all it has to do is be more competitive than its rivals. It doesn't need to feel good. It doesn't need to feel quick to the drivers. It just needs to be quick on the timing screens compared to everyone else. So uh, Williams really trying to not move away from what they've done right so far today uh, when it comes to FP3 and qualifying. And who knows, maybe this could be a race that they can pick up some more points. 
It wasn't just Williams that were happy though on Friday throughout the two practice sessions. As you would expect, Red Bull were pretty content with the work they'd done as well. Max Verstappen quickest in both sessions, quickest in every sector, I think, apart from the final sector in FP2. Uh, so yeah, another dominant start to a weekend. Uh, and similar to what Alex Albon said, uh, Verstappen was pretty pleased with the way that Red Bull found a good balance, got the car in the right sort of window uh, and had it kind of working the way it needed to even if it never felt brilliant at all times so uh, Red Bull kind of doing the job that they needed to uh, and Ferrari and Aston Martin were pretty happy with the work they did as well in, in similar fashion uh, that's despite Ferrari only having one car running in FP2 Charles Leclerc had an electrical issue that ruled him out of that entire session so that was frustrating he didn't get any long run data and high fuel data but was actually quite pleased with how the car felt during FP1 in the morning or in the early part of the day so encouraging signs from Ferrari that they carried over some recent good form uh, they weren't particularly competitive in Barcelona which is the comparable track that I mentioned yesterday so to start like this I think is a, is a good sign for them and they'll be hoping to capitalise on that and be close in the fight for pole position because while Sergio Perez says he thinks it's between him and Max Verstappen or at least he can be fighting Verstappen for pole I think Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc will be thinking the same uh, Sainz was very close to Verstappen's time in FP2 and it's something we've seen in the past that the Ferrari can be very very quick over one lap and can be a threat over one lap Leclerc, remember, was on pole position twice in Baku this year, so they're the only team to stop Red Bull from taking pole at every race. And this could be another one where they do put up a bit of a fight. The key then will be whether they can do anything when it comes to high fuel and long runs. But that's the good side of things. For the other members of the chasing pack, not so good for Mercedes. Both drivers were a long way off in terms of pace. I think 12th was the highest either driver finished in either session, so nowhere near the top 10. Uh, and neither driver was happy either. Both George Russell and Lewis Hamilton kind of saying they were thinking of trying the other driver's setup because they were so unhappy with their own and then looking at the timing screens and finding out, oh, okay, you're not too happy either. So uh, really struggling to find the sweet spot with that Mercedes, which has the updated front wing that I mentioned yesterday as well, which should have helped kind of airflow and, and the way the rest of the car works. So a bit of a disappointment really that it's been a, a tough start, but one of the strengths of Mercedes has been the kind of support it gets from back at base and Lewis Hamilton mentioned how Mick Schumacher, the reserve driver, will be on the simulator doing a lot of work overnight tonight. Uh, so pretty much as I record this, he'll be in the sim working on solutions, trying to learn from the data that the team got at the track to work out, okay, what's the best setup option or direction for us to go into FP3 with on Saturday. And they can test it out in that final practice session before they make a call on how they want to solidify the car for the rest of the weekend. So. It's not going to be uh, an easy 24 hours for Mercedes, but there is still a chance to turn it round. And similar for McLaren. McLaren didn't have uh, a particularly strong day on Friday, and Lando Norris said he was a bit surprised to be so far off the pace, actually. I think he was down in 15th or 16th in the second session. And that's just not where we were expecting to see McLaren with the updated car in Austria, how competitive that was. And even in races like Canada, they were kind of on the edge of the top 10. So we thought that this would be a race that would suit McLaren a little bit more. And, and maybe they will find something as well overnight. But uh, not a strong start to the weekend for either McLaren or Mercedes. So we had the team principals press conference in between the two practice sessions on Friday. And the topic of new teams came up, and it's because the FIA president, Mohamed Ben Suleim, had spoken to uh, the press association in America about new teams and the Andretti bid. 
and how he still was pretty supportive of it and thought it looked strong. Now we're in the part of the process where the FIA has, is analysing the want-to-be entrants uh, who have submitted uh, their kind of bid to join the grid and they're looking through if any of them tick enough boxes to be put forward to Formula One themselves, Formula One management, to do a commercial deal and to join the grid. So uh, the first step is, can they pass the test from the FIA's point of view? And, and Ben Sulliam's comments were pretty positive, And he seemed to suggest that the teams were on board with a new team coming in as well, or even Andretti coming in. So that was put to the team bosses on Friday. And Toto Wolff was not in agreement. Uh, he was very strong in saying that the position Mercedes had taken and he'd taken was to tell new teams by an existing team that's your way onto the grid uh, a bit disingenuous maybe to be quite so firm of oh if you want to come in just buy something because funnily enough that means the existing teams can uh, charge a lot of money if they're in the seller's market but it was a, a firm stance that Wolf had he was very clear that he didn't feel that we should be expanding uh, not with what he understood so far for the new teams but he did say he hadn't seen all these submissions didn't know the detail didn't know if one of them would put a bid together that would just be unignorable and you'd have to accept them. So that's what Wolf was kind of erring towards. But he also used the argument of safety and mentioned the fact that in qualifying, we've had a few incidents where Q1's been a bit busy. We've had a few too many cars on track getting in each other's way, uh, trying to find space for a clear run. Uh, and suggested that actually having 22 cars on track would make that even worse and that was a reason not to have a new team come in now seems a bit strange seeing as we've had 22 cars we've had 24 cars uh, in the not too distant past and it wasn't an issue uh, tended to be that a couple of those teams were comfortably slowest anyway and dropping out in that section so most of the teams knew all they had to do to progress but also it's kind of a byproduct of whether you've got 10 cars or you've got 30 cars on track they're all looking for the optimum space and you're going to end up with a gaggle at the final sector regardless. So it seemed a bit strange that that was the reasoning given or one of the reasons given to maybe not have new teams come in. Fred Vasseur, the Ferrari team principal, actually agreed with Wolf on that front and also said that if there was a team making an argument that couldn't be ignored, then he'd also be in favour. But he didn't think that was the case right now. Uh, and both were kind of saying the current teams have gone through tough times and therefore no one else coming in right now would go through those tough times and therefore shouldn't be allowed. It was a bit of a strange uh, kind of situation to find ourselves in with some of the arguments that were being made. But there's clearly opposition from the existing teams that want to protect the value of their own teams and try to increase them because if they stop anyone new coming into the sport and we don't add new teams to the grid, then uh, if they actually close off the ability for any new team to do that, then the value of the existing teams goes up as that's the only way you can get into Formula 1. The flip side was Zach Brown and James Vowles, the McLaren and Williams bosses, were more open to it, uh, but were also kind of saying, you know, only if they're going to make the pie bigger that we're all taking profits from. If they're helping strengthen all teams, then why would we be against anyone else? The rest is just competition and, and we should be looking to take that on. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how this unfolds because a, a few teams there and big teams making it very clear that they don't want Formula 1 to approve any new team and Andretti Cadillac uh, from the US look the most likely to be put forward by the FIA to Formula One to consider. So uh, it could become a decision for F1 whether they think it's a bonus and an improvement, a good step to add a team. Uh, and if they do, then they're going to have to go against the wishes of the existing team. So uh, yeah, this one's going to run for a while. 
Now, just to wrap up, I won't make it all about the new Formula One film, I promise, but there was lots of access to it today that was quite cool, I must admit. Uh, the car was rolled out in the pit lane during the car presentations that we get before first practice. So fans were walking up and down the pit lane at that time and could get a look at it too. Uh, and the car presentation sees all 10 teams uh, put their cars out so that as media and as TV crews, we can go and have a look around and see any upgrades they've put on them. And normally the teams put up a technical body that will explain any new parts and components. Obviously, Apex GP did not put someone up to discuss that, but they did roll their car out in the same position so everyone could have a look and get some photos, which was very cool. And there was also some running on track. We had two cars together filming. Uh, I won't kind of say what they were doing, but you had both cars out there at the same time, which was cool to see, uh, and cameras working on it. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, a lot of action that fans that were at the track today managed to have a look at as well. Not much more will be new on Saturday compared to what we've seen yesterday and today. So I do promise that tomorrow I will focus on qualifying. Thanks very much to Chris, who's on the ground all weekend at the movie set that is Silverstone Circuit. Make sure you don't miss an update from the British Grand Prix paddock by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. While you're there, check out the new Pit Pass Motorsports blog, powered by Podium Life, featuring racing articles and motorsport industry news. You can also keep up to date with goings-on between episodes by following Chris on social media. Just check the links in the show description. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing. Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers, team members, and industry insiders. So whether you're a fan of super speedways, short ovals, or road racing, or you've just watched Talladega Nights, Pit Pass NASCAR is the podcast you've been waiting for. Get ready to fuel your passion for NASCAR like never before. Subscribe now to Pit Pass NASCAR on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us. Launching in the fall on Evergreen Podcast Network. Follow us on social media at pitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast. <laughs>